Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Ephesians, Who We Are and What We Do as Believers, and was preached on August 22, 2021. We're in the book of Ephesians, and question that today we're going to look at and that uh, um, Paul answered for us is, what do you and I need to know if we are going to successfully follow Jesus? Now, we, we've looked at a couple questions already in the opening part of the book of Ephesians. Paul asked and answered, who are we? And then he asked and answered, why are we here? And in today's passage, which is really a beautiful prayer for the believers in the town of Ephesus, he answered another basic question, what do we need to know? What do you need to know if you want to follow Jesus? Now, you understand that no matter what path you choose in life, there are things that you need to know. A doctor needs to know biology and anatomy and pharmacology and chemistry and a lot of other things. An auto mechanic needs to know how to use tools and needs to know how an engine works and and needs to know the specifics of many different models of cars and increasingly they need to know computer technology to work on today's cars. A carpenter needs needs to know how to use saws and drills and and hammers and and needs to know wood and joints and, and how to hold weight and all kinds of things. In today's world, a politician needs to know Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Judging by some of them, they don't, apparently don't need to know a whole lot of things. An EMT, by the way, I just learned this uh, on uh, Friday night, because um, uh, uh, my son Kevin is working on becoming a firefighter, and so he just signed up for an ENT course. And about um, uh, uh, less than an hour after he came home, he's all signed up, and he's got the book. That's when I broke my toe. And my little toe was sticking out at about a 45-degree angle like that. And I called Kevin down and, and said, hey, I need an EMT. And he came into my room and he looked. He said, ooh, gross. <laughs> Lesson number one, that's not the thing to say. There are some things you need to know as an EMT. And, and the right use of language is one of them. So what do we need to know if we are going to successfully follow Jesus. As a church, we're going to make an impact like we want to on the Southwest Valley for Christ. What do we need to know? By looking at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and looking at, this is what he prayed for them. I want you to know this, and I want you to know this, and I want you to know this, and I want you to be this. We can see what we need to grow. Now, thinking about it, you're going to notice right up front some of the things that Paul did not pray for when he prayed for this church. He didn't pray for buildings. The early church didn't have them, and they grew very successfully without them. I enjoy having a building. Nothing wrong with that. But that was not the top of the list of the things that they needed. He didn't pray for money. The early church had few needs, and they were easily met as God's people gave generously. He didn't pray for prosperity or health or long life or any of the things that fill our prayer request list today. These things are not unimportant, by the way. They're just not top of the list, things that we need if we're going to grow as Christians. So what do we need? Because I want to be serious about following Jesus. 
And I want our church to be serious about following Jesus. So we're going to look at this passage. And by seeing what Paul prayed for for this church, we will know some of the things we need to know in our church. So it's Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Let's stand together and let's read this passage. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You may be seated. And as you can see, Paul packed a lot of truth into every word. This is his masterpiece, I believe, and there's a lot of things here. You could use this passage effectively in a study on how to pray. You could use this passage effectively on a study on who Jesus is. You could use it as part of a study to understand the church. But I will be looking at what did Paul specifically pray for the church. These are things I want you to know and understand as a church. He prayed God reveal these things to the church at Ephesus so that they will be strong in the faith. And so I want us to think about that. What do we need to know if we are going to successfully follow Jesus and walk with him? And the first thing that I want to share with you is I want you to be reminded of the very first thing we need to know. The heart of the faith is that our faith starts, our belief starts, our our Christianity starts with faith and love. Paul said, for this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This Paul said, this is how I know you are believers. And I've been thanking God for you ever since I heard about this. You have these two characteristics which are kind of the default position for all believers. You have faith and you have love. And that's the starting point of who we are. We believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died for us on the cross. And because we have put our faith in him, we value the same things that Jesus did. He died for other people and so we love other people. So the default characteristic, the starting point for Christians is that we have faith and that we love each other. And that's who we are. And they go together. 
if you don't have one, you don't have the other. And if you don't have the other, you don't have the one. We believe and we love. If you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, bottom line, you're not a Christian. You may be a church attender, you may even be a church member, but that's kind of the default position. We believe that Jesus is God's son, and he came to earth, and he died for us, and he rose again. And if you believe those things, and he comes into your heart, then you will love. If you say you have faith, but you don't love others, John says in 1 John that, that you're not telling the truth. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so remember where it all starts. We believe and we love. And those are the default characteristics of, of Christians. You can ask yourself, is that, is that true of you? Do you believe that Jesus is God's son, and therefore, do you love other people? Because that's who we are, and that's where it starts. And that's why Paul said, I could pray for you and thank God for you. Now listen, not everybody has these things. If you've kind of grown up in the church like I have, then you just kind of assume that these are the default characteristics of other people. But they're not. Faith in Jesus is becoming increasingly rare in today's world. And love itself, just look at how people act today, is in extremely short supply. Hey, if you follow human interest stories, and, and I kind of like those because I get, I get tired of some of the other news. If you follow human interest stories, then you might recognize this guy. This is a man been in the news for the last couple of weeks. His name is River Dave. He's an 81-year-old who lived totally off the grid on a river in New Hampshire. He's been there for 30 years. I say off the grid. He wasn't collect, connected to any form of utility. He never went to a grocery store, either raised or shot his own food, didn't hang out with people. Only a few river kayakers knew who he was. He came into the news because the landowner finally, after 30 years, got tired of him being there and kicked him off. He was arrested, and while he was going through that, his uh, little shack that he had built burned down. And so reporters were going to him and getting his story. Listen to what he said during his 15 minutes of fame because it, it kind of shows why he did what he did. He was asked about his wife who had died many years ago. Somebody asked me once about my wife, did you really love her? He said, the question shocked me for a second. He stuttered when he said this. I've, I've never loved anybody in my life. And I shocked myself because I'd never realized that. And that's why I was a hermit. But we need to understand as believers that th there are a lot of people in the world who have no faith and who have no love, and therefore life is meaningless. So we need these things in abundance. And here's the good news. You and I have these things. We have faith that there is a God who loves us. And because of that, we are able to love each other. So when you're talking to people about Jesus, remember that you're not selling a religion of rules and morality. 
You are offering people what they need the most in this world, a faith that there is a God who loves me and love for other people. And when we're sharing Jesus, that's what we're offering, what people really need. We need it, we have it, and so we share it. So it starts, what we need is we need to know what it's all about. It starts with faith and love. Number two, what else do we need? We need to know, and Paul prayed for this, we need to know God, and we need to know God more deeply. We need to know God better. Here's what he said. Paul said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. So just kind of ask yourself the question, how well do you know God? Now, we'll build on that thought in, in, in Numbers 3 and 4, but try and answer it. How well do you know God? Because to successfully walk with God, to follow God, you need to know God. And none of us will ever know Him perfectly because He's God and we're not. But that needs to be one of our life goals. I want to get to know God and know Him better. And so I'm going to ask the question of you in two ways because he, he prayed for both revelation and wisdom. Revelation comes primarily, not exclusively, but primarily through God's Word. And then wisdom comes as we learn to walk with Jesus on a day-by-day -day basis. So start with the question, how well do you know the Word? Because you won't know God until you know the Word. Now, a few weeks ago, um, in a previous study, I kind of gave you a test. Some of you took it. Um, some of you even shared your scores. Some of you shocked yourself at how little you knew. Some of you did really well. But I'm going to ask the question in a different way. Because I'm shocked, and most people who study this are shocked by the fact that people who have been Christians for 35 and 40 and 50 years don't really know the one and only book that we can rely on to tell us about God. So let me ask you if you could do this. Those of you who have been a Christian for a while, could you give me a short paragraph summary of each of the 66 books in the Bible? And could you write the life of Christ from eternity past to eternity future, including, say, a dozen or so of his parables and a dozen or so of his miracles, and given kind of a day-by-day -day account of his last week from his crucifixion to his resurrection? I'm seeing some squirming. I'll be honest, if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you wouldn't pass that test, you, you're not studying the Bible enough. Maybe you're coming to church and going to Sunday school, but, but you're not doing it on your own. And you'll never know God until you understand his revelation. So we need to know God better. Secondly, on, on the wisdom part, how well do you recognize God's voice? I mean, honestly, you have a thousand voices in your head. You got your own voice telling you what's right and what's wrong and what to do. And in today's world, the information age, everybody is giving us some kind of information about what's right and wrong. And so we got a thousand voices flowing around in our head. And with wisdom and experience and walking with God, you, you learn to recognize God's voice and drown out the 999. And how well can you do that? I'm still not there yet because... 
Sometimes I have to ask, is that me or is that God? Is that me or is that God? And I have to kind of back up and think through that and seek to get to know God better. So what do we need to successfully walk with Jesus? We start with faith and love. We need to know God better. Number three, we also need, Paul prayed for this, to know God's riches. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And I've already mentioned in previous messages that we are heirs and that we have an inheritance. Paul is praying that we would understand how great that inheritance is. In other, stand, in other words, Paul is saying, I want the Christians to understand how rich they really are. Because you and I are rich. Now, the world may look at us and they may not see us. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we don't see it. But Paul says, look, you have an inheritance coming. It is guaranteed and it is yours. So understand the riches God has given you. For example, he's given us his Holy Spirit. The most powerful force in the world. Greater than any king, any kingdom, any weapon resides within you you are rich you have an eternal home already if you're a believer god's already given it to you he just hadn't introduced you to the address yet he's already given you an eternal home with no mortgage no taxes no encumbrances everything is paid you get to live there forever at god's expense that is yours already we are rich. And so Paul said, I want the people to understand how rich they really are. Our problem is that we see ourselves as poor. I can't do that. I'm too poor. I can't do that. I'm too poor. We can't do that as a church. We're too poor. Listen, we're rich. And he said, Paul prayed, I want them to realize how rich they really are. You probably most likely heard of this man, even if you don't recognize this old picture. This is a man by the name of William Randolph Hearst. At his peak, he was one of the world's richest men. He was a publisher. He was an a art collector and one of the first world billionaires. He was also an avid art collector. I mean, he collected arts, art pieces in the, the 20 to 30,000 range of different things. I mean, we're talking paintings, we're talking statues, we're talking jewelry, we're talking heirlooms, we're talking manuscripts and signatures. He, he had them by the thousands. And he had read an article in one of his own newspapers, by the way, about some long-lost art treasures. And he decided, I've got to have those as well. So he sent his agent to Europe. Go and scour the continent. No cost is too much. I've got to have those. His agent, and you can imagine how much this cost, spent two months flying around, driving around the, the, the continent of Europe trying to find those art pieces. Finally, he came back to William Randolph Hearst, and he said, here's the truth. I finally found out where they are and who has them. You own them, and they're in a warehouse. 
He was rich with everything he wanted, and he just did not know it. That story, by the way, came from uh, uh, Warren Wiersbe's book on Ephesians, Be Rich. And I want you to apply it to yourself. Listen, you're rich. Stop acting like a poor man without access to anything incredible. We have God's spirit, and we have the, the most exclusive place in the universe that we get to go live someday, and we're on our way. We're on the journey. We don't know how long it's going to last, but we are on our way. And so Paul prayed. Listen, I want to know how rich they are. I want them to understand this inheritance. And so we need to, to, to make sure that we understand it starts with faith and love. We need to know God better. We need to know God's riches. Number four, we need to know God's power. After praying that they would know God's riches, he says, I want them to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So, so understand what he's praying. He said, I want you to understand that this same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. This same power that took Jesus from a grave and put him at the right hand of the Father with all the universe and all of God's creation under his feet, the same power that did that to Jesus is in you. And that changes the whole way. You, you look at life when you realize that God is in me. Jesus is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. His power is in me. So when you look in the mirror, don't see just the weak, doubting, semi-talented, mediocre human that is reflected. Look past the, the tired eyes, the receding hairline, the extra pounds. Look inside and see the incomparably great power. God who lives within you, who gives you strength, and he will enable you and empower you and help you and give you everything you need to do everything he has called you to do. You're not just rich. In Christ, you are powerful. By the way, I had to remind myself of this four times this week. I had to remind myself of this four times. God, I don't know what to do first about my dad and, and now about my mom, and I'm confused and puzzled and I don't have a clue. I need, I need your power. I had a personal issue, something I was struggling with. I don't have the answer. I know pastors are supposed to have all the answers, and maybe we do for you, but not for me. And I don't know. I need help. I, I need something that I don't have. I had to rely on God. There was a, a family issue that I needed God's help on, and I didn't know what to do. Dads are supposed to know exactly what to do. The truth is we don't most of the time. So, God, I need some help from you. There was a church issue. God, I need some help. I don't know what to do. Not the, the worst issue in the world. I don't want it to get any worse. It needs to be solved, and I don't know what to do, and I don't have the answer, and I don't know what to say. I need you to do something. Even a 63-year-old pastor needs to be reminded that it's not about me. It's about God. 
And if I will call on him and ask for his wisdom and his leadership, then he will guide me down the right path and empower me to do what needs to be done or to say what needs to be said. Or occasionally God will just say, Jack, back off and let me handle it. What do we need? It starts with faith and love. We need to know God better. We need to know God's riches. We need to know God's power. And then bottom line, here's what he's saying. You need to know Jesus. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So, so understand the truth here. Jesus is the head. You and I are the body. As the body, we are only effective when we are in close, intimate connection with the head. Don't think of Jesus as your advisor. He's that and so much more. Don't think of Jesus as just your friend. I love the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and there's a great truth there, but he's much more than just a friend. Think of him in the, the New Testament sense. He is the Lord. He is head over everything. Now, you know how I like to use stories to make a point? At this point, I wasn't quite sure how to illustrate this sermon, so, so I, I kind of just walked away. And Because uh, I'll do that. I'll, I'll work on a paragraph, and then I'll go do something else, and I'll, I'll come back. And, and so at this point, thinking I need a story to, to make this, make it hit home, I walked away from my home office, and I walked into the bedroom to talk to Dawn, and, and she was sitting in a chair, and I decided to go over and sit on the bed and sit down and talk to her, and that's when my little toe tangled with the bed frame, and I broke my little toe. Now, understand, I've stubbed my toe before. I looked down at my feet, and it was like that. My little toe is sit, sticking out at more than a 45-degree angle. Don said, last well, one when Kevin came in and said, ooh, that's gross. Don said, you want me to push that back in? I said, no, I can do that. So I did, oh! And so now, you see me limping around this morning, now I'm in a situation, I'm never going to ask God for a story again because he gave me a painful story. <laughs> now I'm in this situation where there is a major disconnect between my head and my toe. And I keep, my head says to my feet, walk, and I start to walk, and then my toe reminds me that that's not so easy. So right now my toe is in the wrap it up, let it heal, get some restoration kind of thing. And by the way, all of us need to do that if we're going to walk with Jesus. And, and so listen, you want to walk with Jesus? You may need some healing. You may need some repentance of sin. You may need some changed attitudes. There may be some relationships that you need to take the step to restore. Because we got to be healthy with Christ if we're going to walk with him. And the only way we can get to know him better is to walk with him to the point where it becomes natural. For me, walking was natural. It's not anymore. I keep wanting to do it naturally. And if I think really hard about it, I can kind of do it without a limp. But I need healing in order for it to be natural. And you need that. 
I told you it's one of the sad things about the church is that we got believers who have been walking with Jesus for 40 years who don't know the word. We also have believers who've been walking with Jesus for 40 years who have never adequately repented of their sins and said, I need to change. And it's time that we did that because we need these things. Starts with faith and love. We need to know God better. We need to know God's riches. We need to know God's power. We need to know Jesus. Now, how do you get these things? I'm not going to give you a long list today. Just two things, really just two words. If you want these things so you can walk more effectively with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray, and I'm going to ask you to seek God. Just these two things. Pray. Now, I told you that this has been a rough week for me. Dad dying, trying to help my mom, dealing with some family issues, hurting my foot. It's been a challenging week, but as part of that, God has reminded me that, hey, Jack, you're not a finished product yet. You still got some room for some growth. And you need to be better at following me. And you need to learn to pray better. And there's some things you need to deal with. And I think that's true of all of us. We all have those things. How do you get them? You pray. You've got to come to a point in your life when you recognize, I can't do this. That's why I pray. Because I need God. And that's why I put this renewed emphasis in our church upon prayer, both in the service and on prayer meeting. Because we can't do this. I mean, we're not seeing as many people come to faith in Jesus as we want, and we're trying hard. So if we can't do this, only God can. Let's pray and ask Him. So let's ask Him to do what needs to be done. And so how do you get to where you need to be? It starts with prayer. And then seek. And if you don't want to grow as a Christian, you're not going to grow as a Christian. I mean, really want it. Remember what Jesus said, seek and you will find? The opposite is also true. Don't seek and you will never find. I know many people who are just kind of self-satisfied with who they are. I hope you're not self-satisfied as a Christian. I hope you've come to the conclusion, i still got a long ways to go. There's more I need to know about this. There's more I need to know about walking with Jesus. I need a better prayer life. I need better leadership skills. I want to preach more effectively and powerfully. I want to be more filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better grandpa. I want to be a better man. And I'll only happen if I'm more like Jesus. So I'm asking you, to live those two things this week. Pray for yourself like you've never prayed before. God, i got to grow. And seek it with all your heart. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you and may God bless you and your family.